Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Keeson. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Indeed we are, and we're especially pleased that we have a special guest joining us today. Her name is Christine Handy, and Christine has, she has quite the resume, let me tell you. She's been a model for many years now. Um, she's currently attending Harvard to get a master's degree. She's a breast cancer survivor, and she's done a lot of work in that area. But, I mean, we were just talking about how uh, she has so much going on in her life that it becomes a challenge trying to figure out, well, where am I going to give my time? I got so much going on, right? I mean, we we both agree, Christine. That was a pretty good Absolutely. topic. Absolutely. We should start there, I think, because that, yes. that's we're we're constantly dealing with the question of what are my choices now? What am right. I going to do right now? I mean, like when you're answering that question for yourself, how do you go about that? Well, it's it is a great question. I have two sons who are 21 and 23, and I'm trying to teach them this because mm. I think for a long time I was not a great model of it. Because prior to my cancer diagnosis, I spent a lot of time, a lot of insecure time, uh, fixated, focused on materialism and filling my life up with in, insignificant things that I just was clutching to. And so prior, at, post my cancer diagnosis, I've, I've dedicated my life to altruism, which is really just the ability and the, the need to serve. And, and so when I wake up, I don't care so much about, I don't care at all really about things. You can't, if you can't take it with you, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I care, I care about people. And so however I can serve, right? Like even walking down the boardwalk on my daily walk, I'll smile at people. I'll engage with people. I don't like to do small talk ever anymore. And ah. so <laughs> I just don't, I reject it. And so I <laughs> I line my day up, whether it's studying at Harvard and, and why I'm studying at Harvard or you know, planning interviews or getting on podcasts or, you know, working with my manager to get modeling jobs. It's all about trying to inspire and give people hope. And so if you have that in your head, like that's the goal of today, you can build on that right day after day. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if your goal is to get accolades from society, that's fleeting and depleting, but that's what you're going to build on day after day. And so it really just, ma- it's your mentality, it's your focus. What are you going to do day after day? And, and, and you'll, you'll get there, good or bad. Yeah, whichever it is you're going for, right? I mean, even if yeah, you aren't sure what you're going for, you're still going to go there. That's the thing that's really interesting about it. It doesn't matter whether you've got a clear focus or not. You're still going to get to where every that clear focus or non-clear focus is, is pointing you. If you're not clear, you're going to go to non-clarity. That's, you know, it, that's just what you're going to lead to. Well, I think it's so important for people to say to themselves, what's my intentionality in this? And for the longest time, I just figured, oh, my husband's going to take care of me or am I, I'm just going to be a mother or I'm just, this things are just going to work out. I'm never going to get sick. I'm not going to get cancer. There's no family history in my, no family history, blah, blah. And I, and you, if you walk in that kind of indifference, there's really no, there's no goals and there's no serving, right? You just expect like life just to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And, and after I was faced with cancer and all these, you know, traumas, divorce and all these other things, I was like, wait, I need to be more intentional about my life. What does it look like? But if we aren't intentional, it can go in lots of different directions and get real confusing really fast. Yeah, no doubt about that. Because what we're really saying is, are we going to live life intentionally or by default? Or we could just yeah. accept whatever comes along and, yep, well, here we go. Ride the roller coaster again. <laughs> right. Because that's I mean, where it ends up. 
Well, and even so specifically about what you watch, right? What you look at, who you follow on social media, what podcasts you listen to, what TV stations you listen to. Like when I was fixated on E! News and Bravo and all these, uh, this kind of coveting celebrities, that was really empty, right? And, 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 and comparison and self, you know, I didn't have a very high self-esteem, but when I focused on, you know, faith and, and hope and podcasts that brought that, then my whole mentality changed. So it, it does ma- it matters what you watch. It matters what you pay attention to, not just what you're focused on. It matters what you intake as well. Yeah. And I love the way you phrase that because I think we kind of tend to forget that when you're not focused on something, you're focused on something else. Right. We, we, we tend to kind of dismiss it like, well, I'm watching TV. Well, yeah, well, you're focused on the TV. Well, I'm not really focused on it. Yeah, actually you are. You're fo- that's precisely what you're focused on. You know, so what you're focused on, that's what you're bringing more of into your life. Do you like that? Right. <laughs> I mean, is, is that really what you're looking for? If it is, keep, hey, keep watching. You yeah, know? no judgment. That, no, absolutely no judgment. But yeah, yeah. That, that, that's all goes back to intentionality, right? Right. Yeah. And that intentionality is huge. Let's talk about, about a couple of things that you brought in because I love a lot of the things you touched on. You touched on about 25 things in five <laughs> seconds there, so it was really good. But one of the ones that really jumps out to me is you talked about how, I don't remember the exact phrase, you didn't really love yourself enough. Talk about that a bit because I think that's a pretty important concept. Yeah, I think self-love and self-esteem is critical to decision-making. Absorb that for a second. Self-love and self-esteem dictates our decisions. And in my life, when I had zero self-esteem, I allowed people to bully me. I allowed my life to just go on like auto, right? And I, I, I didn't listen so much to my voice. I listened to what I was supposed to listen to, what I was taught to listen to, authority, whether that was in the medical field or to my ex-husband or to him, whomever. I was putting myself second, third, fourth, fifth, because I was taught that other people's voices should be more important than mine. That was a lack of self-love and a lack of self-esteem. When I was forced to change that, right, when I went through breast cancer and I lost my physical beauty, which I was dependent on in the modeling world, when that was completely gone, I had to really figure out who I was inside. And I was like, wait a minute, these bags, this materialism, this dependency on other people, it's not working. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm sick. And now I'm a bigger mess. I don't want, if I survive cancer, how am I going to live my life moving forward? And so I took several months of going through chemotherapy. I was in chemo for 15 months. I took those months and I did a lot of introspection because when you're sick and you're vomiting in the bathroom by yourself, because you're the patient, you got a lot of time to think. And so what I was thinking about was how am I going to change this narrative? And I stopped focusing on the outcome. I didn't know whether I was going to live or die, but I knew that if I showed courage to myself, then my self-esteem was getting greater, stronger. And so by the time I I finished chemotherapy, I was rooted in faith. I was rooted in things that couldn't be taken away from society, right? And my, my looks, anything that you can be taken away, you should not root yourself in. So for like physical appearance, it can be taken away. Money can be taken away fame, fortune, whatever, it can all be taken away. If we focus on that and it it can be stripped away, your self-esteem is going to go with that. And so I just changed the way I saw my life. I changed who I was 
inside. I changed my perspective and my focus and I developed a different muscle and it was called self-esteem. I had never known that before. And so at 42, I had an unstoppable self-esteem because I trained myself to do that. That's a huge thing. I mean, it's amazing too. Not well, I shouldn't say amazing. It is consistent. Let's put it that way. It's very consistent. The stories that I hear from so many people who have been guests on the program or co-hosts yes. on the program over and over and over again, they tell the same story. It's a different uh, set of details, but it's always the same story. I crashed. I burned. I had this horrible experience. I never want to live it again. And in that experience, I learned about strengths that I didn't know I had. I ended up growing those strengths, and those strengths serve me to this day. That story has played out over and over and over again. And one way that I like to summarize that, and and you tell me if you think this fits you, is you decided to spend more time paying attention to what was important to you and less attention to what wasn't important to you. Yes and no, because the things that I thought were important to me were my external beauty. What I thought was important to me was money and stuff. Those things ultimately were not important to me. And when I figured out that who I was and how I could serve and how I could use my story to help other people, that those things were important to me, then I made that shift, right? But it really goes back to that focus. What do you think is important to you? But you got to take the time to figure it out. It's so right. easy just to be in this world and and watch the news and and watch the celebrities and all these other things and 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 feel like that's your model. That's not my model anymore, and that's not my measure. So there's a big difference. There's a huge difference there, and I like the way that you you distinguish there that that, that you're basically distinguishing between what you used to think was important and what you later became convinced really was important. In other words, you changed your thought pattern. You changed your preferences. You changed your priorities. And like you said, that takes some focus. It takes some attention. It takes a lot of attention. It takes a lot of courage, too. Yeah. It takes, yep, it takes courage. It takes yeah. a, a conviction that you really do believe or that you really do. Well, that too, it, it does yes, require the belief, conviction. but, but it also requires that you, you really do trust that you deserve to have the life you're really looking for. That, that, yeah, yeah you, you don't have to be stuck in, you know, whatever the conventions of society are. You can go for what's important to you because that's, well, that's a question most of us don't ask. That's a self, that's a self-esteem part, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And to be, and to be honest with you, when I, when I went to college, I went to SMU, Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. It's a great school. Mm-hmm. I would never have had the courage to apply to like an Ivy League school. I would have never felt like I could have ever gotten in, which, and maybe I could have. I was a good student. But after I was diagnosed with cancer and went through 15 months of chemo, I had terrible chemo brain. Like I would drive down the street and I, when I would turn a corner, I couldn't remember which side of the street to drive on. My mm. brain, my cognitive skills were a mess. My language skills were a mess. My short-term memory was a mess. And so I needed help. And so what I did was I was, I said to myself, okay, you have a strong self-esteem, apply to school. Like I didn't, puzzles weren't helping me. Reading wasn't helping me enough. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to apply to a master's program. And I said to myself, why don't you just apply to the hardest school that you can, you think you can think you can get into or you don't think that you can get into either way, apply to the hard, hardest school you can get into and see if they take you. So I applied to Harvard and they took me, you know, pre-cancer, I would have never applied to Harvard because I would have never had the self-esteem to do it. So, so much of it is rooted in our self-esteem. 
and how we think about ourselves. That's just, that's the decision making every day. It, it makes a lot of sense because this, this is going to sound simplistic when I say this, but how can you know what you want if you don't know what you want? How, how can you know what's important to you unless you know what's important to you? I, I think most of us get our signals from outside. We don't really look inside. Exactly. Most of us don't really take the time to figure out, well, yeah, okay, that's what's important to my parents, my teachers, my friends, yes. my, you know, the people I am influenced okay. by. And so, but what's important to me? What's well, important to me? And, and, and in a way, I had 15 months of great pain and suffering, but I had 15 months of a lot of alone time, right, during mm. chemotherapy. And so I can look at it two ways, right? I can look at the trauma part, which often I do, but I can also look at the invitation part to get to know myself. Mm. And so that 15 months of a pause, that season of illness, that brought me to where I am today. Yeah, that's that story, that same story that I hear over and over and over again. I went through this terrible thing. I never want to go through it again, but boy, did I get a lot out of it. <laughs> it's yeah. just incredible how that happens. Well, I'm trying to share my story so that people don't have to go through the terribleness and they can learn that the materialism and the outside accolades and you got to work on your self-esteem every single day. It's like a muscle that we don't use. Use it. So let's talk about how to do that. I mean, you you certainly yeah. have your own ways that you you developed your own self esteem, starting with when you first got the cancer, really. So, yes. what have you done? What's what's been most successful for you? Well, I remind myself constantly that if it can be taken away, I should not be meditating on that or focused on that. And that means external beauty, and that means materialism. That means uh, other people's opinions of me, and so. I focus more on faith and the belief that I can do things to help the world. And, and so I listen to the voices in my own head. Like when I was prior to breast cancer, I used to tell myself all the time, you're not worthy. You're not lovable. You're never going to get that modeling job because you're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not young enough. I mean, I was like a massive disruptor tape going off all the time. And then I was diagnosed with cancer and I was like, oh gosh, like my friends are never going to show up for me. My family is going to be so burdened by this. I should just quit. Who's ever going to come and help me? And, and, and that tape started to go off. And then when people started to show up for me, I was like, what are they seeing me? Like I, if my hair is gone, what could they possibly see in me? And, and I had lived a very transactional life. Like the modeling world is very transactional. If you do this for me, I will do this for you. And so I thought that's how life worked. And so when I was in the depth of my despair and telling myself I wasn't worth any help, that didn't get me very far. Like I was stuck in this pain and this duress. And, and who would have blamed me, right? But I had to get out of that. And I was the only person that could get me out of that. I could not depend on, on the doctors. I could not depend on my, on, the ex outside accolades. I couldn't depend on the materialism. I, like all, I had all the shit in my closet and I was like, this isn't helping. And it was a bummer. But I finally started talking differently to myself. And I would say to myself, no, they're showing up because you have value. Even in the beginning when I didn't feel it, I started to say it. And then I put a picture of myself as bait, like a child in my, my bathroom and in my living room. And whenever I walked by that picture, I would say, I'm going to protect you. I talked to that picture and then I would, I changed what I was listening to. So instead of turning on e-news and being like, Oh, look at those beautiful celebrities in those beautiful gowns. I didn't, I never watched it again. 
I listen to, I watch documentaries. I put on Oprah's Super Soul Sundays. I put on podcasts that were uplifting. I put on faith-based podcasts. And so I was immersing myself, my mental state with things that were hopeful, with things that were inspiring me and giving me a different narrative. And so ultimately, I started to speak to myself differently. I started to see things differently and I started to change my path. Essentially, what you did is you decided to reprogram yourself. I mean, that's, it's kind of a, a crude way of saying it, but really that's what you did. You reprogrammed your, your yeah. conscious mind, your subconscious mind, your entire experience, which by the way is a very effective thing you can do. I mean, I've done it. I know lots of other people have done it. It works, folks. It really works. You can reprogram yeah. yourself. You have to make some substantial change to do it. Like you say, you have to change your habits, your viewing habits, your thinking habits, your doing habits. You have to change all of it, but you can reprogram your mind and it's pretty cool. Yeah, but it, I don't want anybody to think it's that simple. It's very hard, and it takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of time. It does. So don't quit. It's worth the journey. Don't quit. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's the whole purpose of the re-part of reprogram, because yeah. you don't just do it once. It's you reprogram and you reprogram and you reprogram and you. It, it's like it's like the old-fashioned reel-to-reel tape recorder tapes. Right. Yes. With, with those tapes, it was possible. I mean, and this is kind of, some people didn't even know this. With those tapes, if, if you were to erase the tape and then, uh, uh, uh say an, an uh, FBI agent found it and was trying to track somebody down, they could actually pull the information off the tape, even though it was erased. It would still be in there. It would, I mean, it would be hard to get, yeah. but they could still get at it. The only way you could actually erase it would be to erase it like 50 times. And then even replace it with something else so that it was impossible to get the old stuff out of there. Why? Because you have to keep, you have to keep rewriting the new information on top of the old one until it finally obliterates the old one. It takes yeah, time. Of our life. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing happened with the human mind. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, it was a <laughs> issue early uh, hard drives for computers because again, the, you know, the police or even a, a criminal, it could work either way, could get a hold of a hard drive and the, the hard drive was erased and they could still get the data off of it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good, good to know. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it was really an important thing. So, I mean, literally, I, I remember reading about this at one point about, oh, 20, 25 years ago, something like that, because my background was IT. Um, I remember how they, they had actually come up with software that would literally re-erase drives over and over and over again. Wow. in order to make them unusable from the perspective of getting old data off of it. So yeah. the same thing happens with our minds. Our, our brains, they, 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 the uh, neuroscientists refer to it as neuroplasticity. And that neuroplasticity means we can reprogram it, but you have to be reprogramming over and over and over. You have to keep rewriting it because what's been happening in our life experiences is that we have been getting those same messages. What was it you called them? The, the, the messages that kept playing over and over again. Yeah. Well, every time that they play, they're reinforcing on the yeah. neural pathways over and yeah. over and over again. Well, if you're going to reverse that, you're not going to do it with just one erasure. Yes. I love that. That's so true. Yeah. That's the way the human mind works. Can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> so you've had a podcast since 2012, which I think is probably, that's a long time for podcasts, right? It, it's fairly long. Yeah. Podcasting first came along with, with the iPod when the iPod was invented and somebody first recorded talking into the iPad and storing it on a web, iPod and storing it on a website. That was the first podcast. But yeah, it's, it, it was fairly early on in the process. Okay. So have you changed over the course of time because of all the interviews you've done and listened to all the different perspectives? 
Oh, God, yes. <laughs> In fact, you just hit on one of my favorite themes that I talk about a lot. I love the perspectives. I love that. I have had, I've had so many people on the show who I've talked with about a variety of things, all kind of generally related to the overall topic. But, I mean, we've gone off in all kinds of directions. And I have learned so much from all those different perspectives, including perspectives I didn't necessarily like. Interesting. I learned and learned and learned and learned. And it was actually a motivation behind me starting the podcast in the first place. I mean, to give you, I can give you my background quickly in a, in a little um, two second blurb. Um, I had uh, become self-employed in 2002. I'd started a business um, doing web development, web design for small local nonprofit organizations. The 2008 financial crisis comes along. They all get wiped out of business. So therefore I'm wiped out of business. Right. Literally, the entire income just disappeared instantly in a puff of smoke. My wife had had a gardening business. Gardening is no longer a desired thing when you're in, the, in a financial crisis. Her business was gone. So literally, we were wiped out instantly. Wow. And four years later, we've been struggling to survive. We were deep in debt by that point, trying to figure out how to turn this thing around. I mean, I kind of restarted the business, but it wasn't like it was before. I mean, it was just a really bad struggle. And I I had reached the point where I couldn't even afford to buy a book, let alone a coach. And I didn't know what to do. Mm. So I said, well, okay, these podcasty things are getting kind of interesting. I'll start a podcast. I'll bring all these experts on. They can teach me all the stuff that I want. And they can do it for free. (laughs) I love that. And it worked beautifully. Well, it worked better than I thought it was going to work, to be honest, because I found something else that came along that I didn't expect. I loved it. Yay. I loved it. I, I mean, it, I was surprised how much I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. I, at first, I was just doing it sporadically, and then I was doing it once a week, and that wasn't enough. And then I started doing it daily because I, mean, wow. I just couldn't get enough of it. And that's what has kept me going all these years. That's why I've been doing it all these years. And I, like you say, I've been learning like crazy from all the wonderful people who've been on the show. So, yeah, that's my story in a, in a well, symbol. It's so it's so true of what I'm trying to do, which is storytelling. Storytelling contributes to making people feel less alone. And isn't that the goal, right? Sure. We all want to learn from people's, you know, pride and their trauma because we don't want to feel that bad, especially alone. So by sharing all these stories, it's so critical. It's so much better than picking up a self-help book, right? Oh, because yeah, yeah. This is real life. These are real situations and real people and they're vulnerable and they're sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. And can't we learn from that? That's beautiful. And, and, and it's a connection is what it is. Every single conversation is a connection. And the reason I, I mentioned that, I, I personally subscribe to the idea that there are two fundamentally important things in terms of having the kind of life you want to have. The first one we, we've already been touching on, that is building self-love, self-esteem, self-confidence. The second one is social connectedness and is was one that I dismissed for years and years and years. But I now understand, in fact, um, the, I've mentioned this one a few times, but I'll mention it to you too. Um, the positive psychology movement that has been going on within the overall field of psychology over the last 20, 25 years has really produced some amazing results. One of those results comes from Sean Aker, who's one of the leading spokesmen of that whole movement, if you will. And he did a study while he was at Harvard. <laughs> it was a Harvard study among Harvard students. Of course. <laughs> he was trying to understand uh, a number of things. First of all, he was trying to understand why it was that um, so many students who came through there were burning out, why there was so much failure, why there was so much frustration, all this kind of stuff. And he, so he t- turned it around from a positive perspective. He says, okay, so what does it take for a Harvard student to be successful? 
Mm-hmm. And then he realized that he was basically laying out a larger plan of what, what constitutes, how can you detect whether or not somebody is going to be successful in life? And so he put together this huge survey and had, I think, like one-fifth of the entire school answered his survey. That's how big this wow. study was. And it had all these questions on it, and none of them produced a correlation. He was looking at how often do they do homework? What classes do they take? What were the, who were their professors? What were their backgrounds? How did they get into the school? Now, mm. he was going through everything he could think of. None of them produced a correlation except for the last question that he threw in at the last second as kind of a throw-in, just to throw it in there. It was the only one that produced a correlation. And it was a question about his, the, your social connections. And what he mm. found was the correlation was 0.7. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. It's actually a huge number. To give you a, a comparison, the likelihood of getting cancer from smoking cigarettes has a correlation of 0.44. This is wow. almost twice that correlation. It is one of the strongest correlations that have ever been found in the field of psychology. So you want to know what the likelihood is of success? Look at somebody's social connectedness. Seven times out of ten, it will tell you accurately whether that person is going to be successful. So that's interesting, especially right now. Well, not at this very second, but over the last couple of years when we've had way less social connectedness. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And you've seen, all of us have seen the devastation in the mental health space, in the suicide rates. Mm-hmm. We've all watched it and we're all continuing yeah. to watch it because people are still afraid. People are still isolated. And the, and the reality is we need to pour more into being closer and, and human connection and human touch. Not, yeah. not, I mean, like over the internet, I'm talking about like being in a community. And I think that that's a real problem for our, the world right now. Well, I, I do want to speak in favor of the speaking out, uh, you know, connecting over the internet because that has provided a way for people to provide some, some degree of connection and, and we can't, uh, eliminate that. I mean, I've done all of my shows over the internet and I've gotten a great deal of benefit out of it. So clearly you get benefit out of it, but I agree with you. Yes. Certainly you're going to get much more benefit when you have the in-person personal connection. That's always going to be much stronger. It's going to be, it's like the difference between would you rather have five real world friends or 100 Instagram friends? <laughs> it's a pretty straightforward question, really. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. The world of social yeah. media is definitely changing the world. It is. And it's like anything else. We can point to, I could point to, I'm sure you can too, you know, a hundred, a thousand instances where social media has produced negative results, results that we didn't like. You know, it's like any tool. The question is, how are you going to use it? Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter what the tool is. The question Absolutely. is, what are you going to use it for? So it's up to you. How are you going to use it? It's up to you. You get I to make the decision. People, I tell people all the time, be very careful who you follow. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it isn't so much about them. It's about you. That, that's what I mean. I mean, cause yeah. I, if you, if you're just watching highlight reels from people that only put highlight reels out there, you're going to think you're going to feel bad about your own life. Cause you're going to, there's no way you can ever reach that. Right. But if you follow people that are vulnerable and share like the good, the bad and the ugly and the failures, as well as the successes, which is more real, well, that's life. Like there's no highlight reel then you're more able to have that connectedness and feel safer in that space. Sure. Oh, yeah. You're definitely going to feel safer that way. No doubt about that. Um, now, there is another thing that I want to bring in. I'm curious to see how, what you're going to take about this, what your okay. take is going to be about this. Um, and that is, regardless of what it is that happens, 
regardless of what we experience, of what we're exposed to, what is you know shown to us through social media, television, whatever else, we get to decide how we're going to respond to it, and we're going we get, we get to decide how we're going to feel about it. And the reason I mention that is. I understand completely what you said, and I, I certainly I validate what you said. But by the same token, we can two people can look at X, whatever X is, and have two entirely different experiences with X. Absolutely. It, it just depends on how they're deciding to think about it. So once again, it comes back to what's your choice? What's your preference? How do you give your attention? What are you giving your attention to? How are you valuing it? Are you valuing it into your benefit? Are you valuing it to your deficit? And certainly there are going to be some things that are a whole lot easier than others. I mean, right. and I think everybody can say, wow, I love flowers. Well, everybody loves flowers. Let's put it that way. No, I love flowers. I get so excited about flowers. And there are other kind of people who would say, I hate Adolf Hitler. And it's going to be really very black and white for them that way. But here's the challenge. Can you love stuff even when you don't really love it? Can you find a way to appreciate something that you previously didn't appreciate. I'm not saying start off with Adolf Hitler. I wouldn't recommend that at all for anybody, but maybe you can start off with something like, Oh, I don't really like the fact that that person cut me off at the intersection, but can I find a way to appreciate something about the incident anyway? Like, well, maybe that person was taking somebody to the hospital. Well, I I do love to talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great topic. This this actually should be taught in school, like for young people. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. So I believe that we react in three different ways all the time to all reactions, to all stimulus. We react out of pride and ego, one. And this is not in any order. We react out of malice or we react out of compassion. Those are three ways that we react to circumstances, life, and those are the choices. Now, if you if you have not worked on your self-esteem, self-work, you might have a propensity to react out of pride, right? Like, oh, you know, that person is living a better life and poor me and, and all this other stuff. And you might take things very personally. That's living a prideful ego life. If you react out of malice, then you're like, okay, well, this person hurt me. This is more personal, right? This person hurt me, so I'm going to get them back. But if somebody cuts you off in traffic and you react out of compassion, you're like, well, that person probably needed to get there before me. So if you're constantly, in, in at least in my mind, if I go through my day and say to myself, okay, I'm going to react out of pride, malice, or compassion, choose wisely, then my day is usually more peaceful because I'm constantly choosing compassion, Right? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Sure. I, I, I think uh, I might choose the word love instead of compassion, but I think it's the same basic idea. I, I, exactly. I think it's about in terms of, you know, what, what's the, the loving way to think about this particular situation? You know, yeah. what, what, what's my best way? Because I really believe that it's important to transmit love. And yeah, we just well, do it sure. just by focusing on it, you know. Yeah. But, but nevertheless, I think we kind of skip over it. We have a tendency. Is it, yeah, well, yeah, we tend to skip over love a lot. It's like a regular portion, because especially when we live a, a life by default, because we're just reacting to whatever's coming along. So we forget about love because most of what comes along, especially when we focus on the stuff we don't like so much, we tend to get more of that. So we just forget that there's even anything to be loving out there. You know, right. Love, what does love have to do with it? <laughs> Isn't there a song to that title, right? What does love got to do with it? <laughs> well, and I think the world we live in 
it isn't meditating on love. It's meditating on pain. It's meditating on war. Right. It's meditating on prescriptions. It's meditating on wealth. It's meditating on celebrities. It's meditating on all these things that we shouldn't be meditating on. We should be meditating on love. We should med- be meditating on peace and community and, and, and cheering each other on instead of tearing each other apart. But individuals, we all have a voice, right? And we can be doing those things. And hopefully collectively, like you and I and other people that are trying to do this thing called give people hope, storytelling, and put it out into the world, hopefully our collective voice becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's more dramatic changes. Because if you turn on the TV right now, or if you turn on the news, or if you go out into the world and you look around, it can be pretty frightening. So it really goes back to what you're meditating on and what you're putting out. And like you said, it's about love. It really is. And and I also find that it's about not just about love, but it's about what not only do I love, but what am I willing to love? Because yeah, that kind of stretches it. it. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, well, because because we all have like there, there are like certain limits, if you if you will. Like I, I can love this far out, right? I, this much I feel comfortable loving, but beyond that, I don't feel all that comfortable loving. Okay, but the real challenge is can that goes back? Oh to yeah. Oh, it does. Right. Yeah. How far is your self-esteem? That That's about how far your limit is. How um, far do I want to be vulnerable? How much do I want to put out? Yeah. There? Yeah. Yeah. Scary. Mm-hmm. Fear. It, well, it's, it's scary. Based yeah. Based but, it's also where, it, but it's also where the growth happens. It's both at the same time, which is really interesting. <laughs> we don't yeah. do a whole lot of growing when we're feeling comfortable. We never grow in the comfort. No. No. We have to be stretched. Yeah. Which is why I think it's actually good to stretch ourselves. I think it's good to decide, you know, I'm going to stretch a little bit further than I feel comfortable stretching today. I do just that because, day. right? <laughs> I do it every day. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I share stuff about my story that's not flattering. I share stuff about myself that's like embarrassing. But I, but I know that it happens in other people's lives. And it's like, well, if I hoard those things, those other people are going to be like, I'm, I'm not worthy of love because I have all these issues and I'm, I'm out here going, no, 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 you are worthy of love. Even with those issues, look at all, we all have these issues. I think probably the biggest challenge with the issues that we all face, and it takes a long time to get to this point, I believe, but the, the biggest challenge is recognizing that the issues really aren't issues. Are not issues. They're not really issues. Yeah. They, they certainly seem like they're issues. Like, Oh my God, they're so freaking overwhelming, but they really aren't issues. Well, how we they, label they're, 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 and how we choose to think about them too. We, I'm going to make this an issue. So therefore it becomes an issue. Um, and w- one of the best ways I got to, uh, present it to me to understand just how true this is, is a meditation that was mm-hmm. taught to me. And, and listeners of my of podcast will know about the, the Taya community, T-Y-A, Trust Your Abundance. Um, the meditation that comes out of the Taya community basically is a guided meditation that uh, takes you from where you are on Earth and then takes you out into outer space way, way, way far out so that when you look back, you can't even hardly see the Earth. It's a little tiny speck. And then from that perspective, you say, that's how important your problems are. That's how important your issues are. And when you look at it that way, all of a sudden issues are no longer the same feeling anymore. They're not a big deal anymore because you just took all of the sting out of them. 
You just took all the pain out of them because they're so far away. They're so small. This huge, huge universe. I mean, really? That's where I'm going to put all my energy on, on creating this issue to be this huge, huge deal in my life when it's that small thing compared to everything else that's going on? Really? That's a great big, way big to shift. Yeah. yeah. It just changes the whole perspective. There's that word again. Perspective. <laughs> Focus. Yeah. Perspective, yeah. use it or lose it. It's yours or it's not if you choose to just let it sit there, but it's up to you. So let's let's do um, a little recapping. Okay. Um, and, and, well, actually, there's a couple other things I want to talk about, too. Well, let's do a recap, and then we'll do the other things I want to talk about. Okay. Because you touched on a lot of really cool stuff in that one segment there, and I, I, I'm like trying to extract all of it, right, because there's, <laughs> there's some good stuff going on there. Um. I'm going to, no, I'm going to go there first. Um, you, 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 you were earlier talking about the importance of building self-esteem and about the trials you went through and how you made changes in your life in order to accomplish that. How did you decide what changes to make? I based it on the things that were taken from me. So, like, for instance, my external beauty as a model, when it was stripped away during breast cancer, I was like, I can't depend on that. So I'm not going to meditate and focus on that because that's not my true value. And I have, I have, a, I've had a couple other issues, health, major health problems. I have a fused arm. I don't know if you can see my scar. No, I don't, I don't have a wrist. So I oh, can, wow. move, I can move my fingers, but I have no, I have no wrist. This oh, is all, I see. Okay. Yeah. I know I can see it. All right. This is all cadaver bones and cadaver Achilles tendon. And wow. so. And I'm, and I'm in, live in chronic pain. And so I was looking in my closet and going, gosh, these really beautiful designer bags that I used to covet, I can no longer carry. Oh. And so all of the things that I was focused on and meditating on, I realized I shouldn't focus on those things because they could be taken away. And now how was I going to rebuild, right? I decided that I'm not going to re- rebuild my life on sand. I'm going to rebuild my life on cement. And what was that for me? For me, it was faith. It was faith in God. It was faith in, you know, the uh, the universe, not faith in outside accolades. It wasn't faith in the materialism. It wasn't faith in alcohol or, I mean, pick your poison, right? There's so many other things. I, I was never an alcoholic, but I'm just using that as an example. Sure. And so I decided, okay, those things failed. I tried to have those things be my focus. They didn't fill me up. And so I decided, okay, what possibly could fill you up? And then I tried to, and I started to make choices and started to try things out. And I ended up picking good stuff, right? I ended up picking things like serving and faith and getting joy from sharing my story and storytelling and, and offering my vulnerability to the world. And whether I was doing it on social media or on podcasts or on TV or on the news or in an organization or on, cause I'm on the board of two nonprofits in the nonprofit space, whatever it was, I was going to choose that instead of the other. I wasn't going to go shopping. I was going to spend the shopping time on altruism, right? So it was this, these fundamental changes that I made that fill me up. Everybody's different and I'm not judging anybody for how they do it. I did it wrong for me for many years and I needed to change that so that I could live a life where I felt good about myself. And that's definitely a big deal. I I love too the fact that you took the time to try things out. I I think that's the way you said it. That's something that I, I feel is very, very important. And 
I think we kind of get afraid of trying things out. We, we kind of get this mindset that says, well, if I have to try this thing out, I have to do it for like the rest of my life, which is not what trying things out is all about. But we kind of get that mindset. You know, yeah. Really, you can try something out in five or ten minutes. It doesn't take very long to try something out. And you can kind of move through things fairly quickly just by trying it, testing it, seeing if it works for you. No, not really. Okay, move on to the next one. Uh, but we get afraid to do that. We just get afraid to try. Well, and that, and that goes back to the grace, right? Like we are so free with giving other people grace, but giving ourselves grace is much harder. And so mm. when I start to give myself more grace, like, okay, I chose that. It was wrong. I'm not going to beat myself up for that. I just chose wrong. Okay, move on. That's grace. Yeah. That, that's a theme that we've touched on a lot lately, that we human beings have a tendency to treat ourselves a lot worse than we would treat our best friends. We would never treat our best friends the way we treat ourselves. It's just amazing how rough we can be on ourselves. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great, though, if we can actually change our pattern to, I'm going to treat myself the way I would treat my best friend? Yeah, I do. That's how I do live my life now, not before. So I do know the difference. It's a very different way of living. It's a very different way of living. It's a very rewarding way of living. Because, well, I, yeah. I, I should qualify that. It probably depends on how you treat your best friend. <laughs> I mean, it is possible True. to treat your best friend in a, in a rather, you know, rude and yeah. offhand way. And, yeah. and there are people who've done that. Um, by the same token, if that's still better than the way you're treating yourself, it's an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. if these things are relative, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and that is, that leads to another thing I want to ask you about. This is a big theme. Uh, here on the program, and that is instead of trying to take large steps, taking small steps. I'm wondering what you think about that. Do you think that's a good idea? I think large steps are risky, and I think personally for me, I try to take smaller steps just out of self-survival. And I think people that take large steps can have great profit, not necessarily like financial profit, but just in general, great success. Um, that's a little risky for me. But it depends on your personality. And, and listen, I think that failure is a good thing. And so if you make giant steps and you fail or you make small steps and you fail, it's still going to help you in some regard. But I, I personally try to make smaller steps these days. <laughs> I, I think it's actually very wise. I really do. Because I think we can. Oh, can't do that. Yeah. Some people some people need to take great big strides. That's fine. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I just think most people will get more out of taking smaller steps because if you take a whole bunch of smaller steps, you're going to win a lot more often. You're going to get where you want to go to a whole lot more often. Unless you're really, really good at taking a large step and getting there, you're probably going to start getting kind of frustrated fairly yeah. quickly because yeah. you're just not getting where you want to go. And burnout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Burning out, and the larger the step, the faster the burnout. <laughs> That's yeah. the other part. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this uh, this idea actually came from uh, one of my co-hosts. His name is Daniel Mangana, and he he wrote a book called Money Game. And in in the book, he was talking about what he calls the edge of believability, mm -hmm. and how you're constantly trying to stretch that edge of believability. And and if you do that with micro steps, you start feeding into your mind, into your subconscious mind and your conscious mind, the idea, well, I, I can, I, I may not be able to 
you know, bring a castle into my life, but I can bring this little thing into my life and I can do something that's bring a little bit more into my life. And then I can do a little bit more to bring more into my life. I can do it in, in increments that way because then I start getting rewards of, yeah, this one worked. Yeah, those two didn't work, but these five did work. This is working. I'm actually getting somewhere. I'm making progress. And the more progress you make, the more you can stretch out that boundary a little bit further. That edge goes out a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further until suddenly you're nowhere near where you started. You're way far away from there. You've made all this progress because you took those little micro steps. Micro shifting is what he calls it. Micro shifting. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's very effective too. Boy, you can... You can accomplish anything with micro shifting. Yeah, feel free. You know? I use it. He he gives it away. He's happy to have everybody use it, so that's fine. <laughs> Let's also talk about uh, how, how do I want to say it? The the importance of not just loving yourself, but celebrating yourself. I I it's critical. I I love this topic. I'm my biggest cheerleader. Like you can tell I'm even getting excited about it. Like if you guys are yeah. listening to this, you should watch the video because you can see me. <laughs> I got my hands in it. I got my head involved. I have to be my biggest cheerleader. If I'm not my biggest cheerleader, who's going to cheer me on, right? I have to believe in myself before other people believe in myself. And, and I, but I do that with other people. I cheer people on. I don't understand the mentality of coveting things. Like I'll give you a stupid example. Like for women. You know, sometimes we find great nail stylists or hairstylists or somebody in self-care, right? And then a lot of women hoard it. They're like, oh, I can't give you out that number. I can't, I don't want to share that because, you know, maybe your hair will look as good as mine. That's the opposite of the mentality that I preach. I'm like, here are my contacts. Here are my resources. If you can, you know, benefit from them, here you go. Because I want other people to succeed. I want to cheer others on. There is plenty to go around, but so many people have this mindset of fear and of if, if somebody else gets it, it takes it from me, right? And I have this mindset of plenty now. There's so much to go around. Let's just throw it out like confetti. Let's cheer each other on like confetti because whatever is meant for your life, you will get. So it's, it's really just that mindset of cheering people on and, and, and it overflows. But if you hoard things, then that mindset, it keeps you stuck in that fear, right? That's very true. Uh, it's often called a scarcity mindset or a lack mindset. Exactly. Because yeah. when you're in that lack mindset, your focus isn't on the thing itself. That's what's so interesting about it. People who develop, and we all have been there. I've, I mean, this is not like I'm pointing Absolutely. fingers. I've been, no, I, I've, I've just, I've done this as much as anybody else. Uh, But, but, but when we focus our attention on the lack of something, we're really not focusing on the thing itself. We tend to believe we are, but we're actually not. I mean, we, for instance, we tend to think in terms of what we think are opposites. We think that the opposite of love is hate. We think the opposite of up is down and so on and so forth. But really those aren't opposites. The opposite of love is a lack of love. The opposite of up is a lack of up. The lack, the lack of east is, is the opposite of east. I mean, the east and west are not opposites. It's east or lack of east that are opposites. And it's lack that's the opposite of whatever the thing is. And when we change our mindset around to that's what real opposites are, then it becomes very easy to say, okay, well, I want the opposite of lack. What do I want? I want thing. What's the thing? 
Now I have to change my whole way of thinking about it. I can't think about it in terms of not having it anymore. I now have to think about it in terms of what it is and what I like about it, what I enjoy about it, and what I feel good about it, and all that kind of stuff. And that's when it starts coming into my life. But the more that I stay with, I lack this thing, guaranteed I'm not going to have it. Absolutely, 100% guaranteed. So that's maybe more like the universe isn't going to give it to you because you're staying in that lack. Is that what you mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the exact same concept. Yeah. But boy, it took me, it took me 55 years to learn that one. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It took a long time to learn that one. And there's many people who still haven't figured that one out. Yeah. And I don't blame them because that's not, certainly not what our society teaches us. I mean, it's not what that's our teachers true. have taught us, you know, we're, we're, it, it goes against most of what we we're taught, Yeah. but it's true. It is, yeah. It's actually yeah. fundamental truth. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And we are taught to be in competition with each other. I totally agree. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and, and what's so interesting is there, there's no need for it. It's a terrible it, it's not like it, It's not like you have to be opposed to it. It's just that you, there's really no need for it at all. There's really no. Mm-hmm. no. Good for you. It doesn't have to be there. It can just be, what do I like? What do, What's important to me? In fact, it's yeah. become one of my favorite questions. Um, one thing I'm asking more and more as I talk to people here on the show and outside in my life, you know, some people will run into somebody who's going off on a rant on something, right? And, and they're just going on and on about how terrible this is and how horrible that is and blah, 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 blah. And if they stay on that for a while, I'll say to them, yeah, okay, but what do you want instead? Mm. And then they'll try to define it in terms of, well, I want, I don't want any more of that stuff. No, 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 no. Don't define do it in terms want? of what you don't want. What do you want? You, you mm-hmm. take all the, you, you're not allowed to make any reference at all to the thing you don't want. Now tell me what you want. And that, that kind of stops the brain for a second. Yeah. Like the brain can't, be, because you can't, you can't do it the way you used to do it. You can't think about it the way you used to. You have to come up with something new. Right. Which takes some work. Good for you. But it's also healthy. You're shifting perspectives. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not just me, everybody is. The moment that you ask that question, the other person's thinking they're, they're changing their perspective too. And it's not that I'm changing their perspective. Yeah. They're changing their perspective. Right. Just you're because they're choosing to focus differently. You're initiating it. Yeah. Well, I kind of, I, I kind of get a little bit of a kick, but they, they, hey, they, they could also ignore me. They could turn the, you know, turn to another program. They could <laughs> you know, turn to different conversation. They, they could, they could choose not to pay any attention to it. It's up to them. That's true. You know? completely the ball is in their court it's up to them entirely all all i'm doing is just say hey you might want to look over there (laughs) good for you i love this kind of conversation that that also reminds me of something else that has become really important to me and that is i am no longer interested in trying to change anybody's mind because first of all i recognize that i can't ultimately (laughs) i really can't you know and and by the way i tried for yeah. years. I yeah. mean, and, and like I, I was like the contender. I would contend with anybody to get you to change your mind until I finally realized that it doesn't work. <laughs> it never works. It's just, it's like a failure rate of a hundred percent. And and when you finally it's recognize that even it is a fight, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's constantly living in fight mode. Yes. Which, which is not very healthy for the body, by the way. <laughs> It's yeah. very unhealthy for the body, but it's also exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. It's physically exhausting. It just, and, and you don't get any benefit out of it. Right. That's the part that's just, it continues to blow me away. There is no benefit at all from being in that fight mode. So I finally learned my lesson and said, okay, 
I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm not going to try to change anybody else's mind. All I'm going to do is speak my truth and, hey, it's up to you. The ball's in your court at this point. I did what I could. Hey, you know. Yes. Wash my hands of it. It's up to you now. I did what I could. Good for you. Yes, yeah. I love that. I think it's important. So, um, okay, I think we should get to some degree of summing up here because there's so much we've been talking about here, and we got to <laughs> kind of tie all of it a little bit together here. <laughs> so you're, you're on a mission. Yeah. And your, your mission, you're, you're basically trying to spread your message, which is a wonderful message, to other people who are in similar circumstances to what you were in and what you've been growing out of. To give them hope, to give them inspiration. Tools. Tell us a little, and tools. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about what that journey has been like for you. Very, uh, very rewarding and very difficult. It takes a lot <laughs> of courage. Um, but worth every single day of it. So I've basically been trying to do it for about six years and it, it takes a lot of self-sacrifice to get to where I've come. It takes a lot of personal sacrifice. But fortunately or unfortunately, I am out of um, my marriage. And so I've had time to focus on it. And when I was coming out of my marriage, you know, or a relationship or whatever somebody's coming out of, we have that space, right? That we used to focus on something and we can fill it with anything, right? I could have filled it with other things. I chose to fill it with what I'm doing. And I'm very proud of what I've done. Um, but recently I've decided that I need to kind of maybe not focus 100% on work and changing the world. Like I might need a personal life <laughs> going back, Good idea. To, going back yeah. to like community and companionship. And so I am putting my feet in the water with that a little bit, but I have had six years of trying to inspire and give people hope and try to make people feel less pain than I felt in my life. And so I, I'm, again, I'm very glad of what I've done and I will continue to do it, but we also, but I'm also trying to preach to people balance, which I had no balance for a long time. And I think that that was lacking in my life. And so, you know, it's always a different season, but I think the season that's coming up for me is taking a little bit step back and saying, okay, you've accomplished a lot of these things that you wanted to accomplish my book, the film walking in New York fashion week, being a model for breast cancer survivors and thrivers and, and inspiring self-worth and self-love in them. And, and so now I'm going to just take a little step back and start spending a little time on me, maybe a little social life. We'll see how that goes. Good. That's great. I love that. Well, you're making adjustments again, too, right? That's it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Yes. Because what you really, anytime that we're talking about self-love, what we're really talking about is honoring your own choices and your own preferences. Yeah. The moment that you're throwing your own, pre- I mean, you, you mentioned self-sacrifice, and I think I know what you mean. But we also tend to think, well, that means I have to throw my preferences out the window. No, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't mean that at all. Yeah. In fact, just the opposite. What we should be doing is spending, I, I hate the word should, I, should, I really don't like to include yeah. that word. What I prefer to do is yeah. focus on my attention on what do I want to include in my life? And right. Making that decision again each day, renewing it, because in the process of renewing it, that's where I come to the conclusion that I really want to have more of a social life than I got. Yeah. Because you can't get there unless you actually entertain the possibilities. And the only way to entertain the the possibilities is to be constantly asking yourself, what do I want? What's important to me? What what do I I like? What do I value? Mm. What's really, really good? What, What do I find to be good for me, for my life? 
What's important to me? And then the really interesting thing happens. The better you get at that, the more other people like what you are, what you have become. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that that. interesting? So the one thing that you you were kind of not even thinking about, you were saying, oh, I'm done with the fame theme. I'm done with all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, you become more popular. You become more interesting. More people want to know who you are. (laughs) Because you aren't focused on that anymore. That's a good point. Okay, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's look. Celebrate that. I will. I I also wanted to throw something else out to see what you think about. Celebrating everything. Not just myself, but everything I can think of to celebrate. And the idea behind it is the more things that I can find to celebrate, the more things that I can find to like in some way, Mm. the better my life gets. That's something I found to be true for me. I'm curious to know if you found it to be true for you. For me, it's been huge that every, especially with stuff that I previously didn't like, if I can find some way to appreciate it before the act of appreciating it makes me better. Well, I think that involves reframing and forgiveness Mm. because it could be a person. It could be a situation and, and by a person, I mean forgiveness with that person, right? If you can see some good in a relationship that was abusive or traumatic or whatever, forgiveness negates the negative part, right? You're not allowing that, but you're also not carrying that backpack. And if it's like a trauma, then it's more you're, you're reframing it. Like I can look at my traumas and go, that shouldn't have happened to me. That's not fair. Or I can look at the traumas and go, I'm going to use this pain to help other people. It's a reframing. Definitely reframing and reframing in a way that works better for you. I mean, it's easier to live like the way I'm doing it. I think if if I carry that bitterness or that, that pain and that sorrow and that duress on a daily basis, that will paralyze me. That will get, I will end up staying in bed all the time and having mm. no self-esteem, right? Mm. And no life. Yeah. yeah, no life. That's not yeah, going to work. That's true. All right. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Before we part company, let's pick a couple pieces of information up to share with the audience. First of all, you have a book that we haven't even touched on, but tell people what, about the book, what the name of the book is. Uh, the book is Walk Beside Me by Christine Handy. It's a fictional depiction of my life. It's currently being made into a film by um, an amazing director and producer, Ziad Hamza, and it's called. Wow. It will, be, and the movie will be called Willow, the feature film, because that's the main character in my book, Willow, which is a, my nickname. And uh, but you can find me on the internet. You can Google Christine Handy. There's my website and all the socials and stuff. It's I'm out there. <laughs> uh, uh. You told me before we even started that you had the, this, this film being made from your, from your book. And, of course, it's completely slipped my mind. I'm thinking, oh, my God, we could have been talking about that for the last hour. That would have been great, too. That's, no, that's exciting. Boring. That's boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. That's wonderful. That's the a wonderful thing. The self-work is more important for other people to hear. Okay. I, I, I can understand that viewpoint. Hey, either way I, that I, that I uh, mark this down, to me, This has been a wonderful interview. So thank you very much for taking the time to share your story, to share your perspective, to share your outlook on life. It's it's definitely a perspective and an outlook that I'm sure is inspiring many people. I'm sure it's inspiring people here on the show. So just thank you for the time that you took to, to spend with us today. That's been great. Thank you. Thank you very much to all of our podcast listeners everywhere. And, uh, well, we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.